Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, our next guest. Close to 500 games with the Toronto Maple Leafs, 250 points, Ooh. and a wicked slap shot. Skate for me, Al. Skate for me. What does that mean to you, Al? Have we got Al? I got Brandon. He's on a boat. <laughs> Sammy. <laughs> Sammy. I, we, I don't think we have him. No. We have neither Al nor, nor Sammy. Oh, and I built it up so well. Skate for me, Al. Skate for me. Yes. I got to be a coach, right? Close. Yeah, close. <laughs> okay. Remember the name Harold Ballard? Yes, of course. I guess he it... absolutely loved Al Ifrady and would actually sit in the stands during practice and just start yelling that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd feel like a bit of a object, a piece of meat. And and the practice would have to stop. No, it no. No, no, no. Shut down. It would completely shut down. He just go do down and backs. He'd do two laps around the ice, (laughs) just for Harold. (laughs) And then they got to start up practice again. Oh, that's the that's the greatest. That's what owning a sports team should be like. You should be able to sit there and just dictate what what happens. Oh, I think there was a lot of uh, (laughs) dictating. Going on with the late Harold Ballard, but uh, that was that was his era. Yeah, part of it, anyways. And then uh, ended up getting traded to the Washington Capitals. So he actually, uh, I think we had, I, I, I can't can't remember, but I think we had uh, twenty uh, three twenty goal scorers, and Al was one of them in Washington. Al, you with us? Yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Sorry. That's all right. I just told, um, I wanted you to tell it, but the old skate for me, Al. Skate for me. Is it true? Oh, that was like that was like the third day of training camp. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm known for my shot, but I could skate a little bit too. And uh, we'd be in the middle of practice. We'd be practicing, and all of a sudden you'd hear, Danny, John. And like everyone would look around, you thought God was talking or something. And, he, and all of a sudden, practice, all of a sudden, practice would stop, and Harold would yell down, "Make sure those guys listen to you." And, kind of stare at each other. and you'd everyone go would stare at each other, and then like practice would resume, and for like another twenty minutes, and it's like that was like day three of. Uh, my professional hockey player experience. It was like, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, when you, when you look so up, you would, I would literally, I would literally like do a, a lap, fly around the ice, and then we'd resume practice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my teammates were like, my teammates were probably like, what the? <laughs> They're probably as bad as you and not them. You're, you're telling me that doesn't happen anymore? Doesn't uh, like someone from the board of MLSC ask uh, Morgan Riley to do a couple of laps? That's not happening anymore. Hey, um, when when you think about when you think about your days with the Leafs in 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 that era, I mean, come on, aren't you glad there were no phones back then? 
Oh, man. It was, it was like, thank goodness there was no phones. And I just looked back at that era, and, you know, I can I can look back in time because, you know, I'm an old man now, and all I can think of is, wow, these guys that are playing there now, I hope they're way smarter than me because, <laughs> the, like, the incredible opportunity they have like they're, I, I played on great teams. I played in Toronto. I, I mean, I played in Washington, Toronto, Boston. You know, as time went in Toronto, we got better and better. You know, and and then, uh, you know, having said that, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, it's uh, everyone should get to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. I don't care what anyone says. Fifty, whatever years since the Stanley Cup, but if you're a hockey player, that is. I, and I live in the self-proclaimed hockey town. And that's no disrespect to the Detroit Red Wings. But that is the hockey mecca of the world. And just everything that will manifest from being a, a hockey player in Toronto, and then if you're a great one, and then if you're, you know, we'll say Wendell Clark. I mean, how can I not smile every day I think about my career? Because, like, everyone watches movies like Braveheart and Gladiator and stuff like that. It's like, I lived it with that guy. <laughs> and, like, that guy is the Braveheart of hockey. And it was just an amazing ride. And every time I see him, I get goosebumps. You know what I mean? It's like I got to live with someone that a thousand years from now, there's nothing like him and there will never be anything like him. Al, aside, you know, I love my teammates and all that. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, aside from uh, cell phones, from era to era, you know, even when you came in and, and you think about the Matthews and the Marners today, the, the pressure remains the same, though. Would it not be? Or did you feel it back then, or were you just too young? Did some of the veterans feel it to win in this town? Oh, yeah, the pressure is there every second of every day because, you know, there's, you know, lots of media. There's there's the having won a Stanley Cup. Everyone wants that Stanley Cup in Toronto. I mean, the pressure is there every minute of every day. And all you can learn to do is thrive on it and realize that, you know what, it's outside pressure. But even when you get to a town, like when I got to Washington with you, like you're you're there. You're a proud guy. You're there. And this team traded good players to get you there, and the pressure is never going to go away because it's going to be internalized because you're a hockey player, and you're there to help your teammates, and you want to prove to your peers, your teammates, that you're a you're a player that's going to make a difference and help this team get to every team's ultimate goal to win a Stanley Cup. You know, when you're a kid growing up, every one of us, Nick, with a foul. A thousand times you've, we've been that guy, Nick Kiprios, game seven, game winner. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, when you're six years old, are you thinking of the Stanley Cup or are you thinking of that guy? Who knows what each guy thinks of, but it's a combination of both. And the pressure is never going to go away because you've got that thing that got you there and the thing never goes away until – you know, the day you're done playing where you're not going to be able to be a guy that can help a team do that. For sure. Yeah. So I think my advice is to learn how to deal with it and and uh, turn that into positive energy as 
you know, whether it's you, you got to trick yourself to, you know, they're on me. I got to prove them wrong. Because, like, when you're a defenseman like I was in the NHL, I don't care who you are. There's going to be the time where you're that guy that everybody hates. <laughs> and it don't matter how good or bad you are. You're, there's just comes that point in time. Uh, it's it happened to me. I saw it happen to Boria. Happened to Larry Murphy, Todd Gill, David. It happens to all of us. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned positive energy. It's actually the perfect segue for me to ask you a question. We we were talking about dress code on this show the other day, and Kipper told a story that I have to get confirmation on whether it's true or not. Um, that you one time wore a long coat, rode a Harley to the game, and I mean this dress code was purely the long coat. Is this a true story, or is Nick telling me garbage? No, it's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. I can give you. I can give. It's true. I can give you a verbatim on that because we back in the '80s, everyone wore trench coats. It yeah. was like, you know, it was regulators mount up. <laughs> <laughs> We got the trench coats on to the point where there was a point in time where there was probably five or six of us uh, Maple Leafs on the day of a game on Grouse Mountain with arguably one of the greatest defensemen who ever played down the hill like Franz Klammer. <laughs> and we all had trench coats on, and, you know, the guy, the, the Borea was the the 33-minute a guy at 33 years old having, you know, partaken in one of us idiots' dumb ideas to go skiing on the afternoon of a game and uh, best <laughs> player on the ice. You know what I mean? So it's a true story for sure. <laughs> he, Boria was not human. He was a oh, machine. Man, I never, oh, you just try to explain to people, like, I, I, I honestly believe – if he wanted to be a pro tennis player, he would have been a pro tennis player. I saw the skiing, skier, yes. Um, you know, whatever, soccer, whatever sport it was, I'm sure he would have been great at it. He was just a, like a, just a lung capacity. And when you do those max VO2 tests, you know, he's like at, you know, we're all doing great at 69, 66, 70, whatever. He's like, in the high 70s, you know, marathon runner type stuff. It was uh, it was just unbelievable to uh, get to play with him because he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, I was watching my whole childhood. You're in the uh, uh, Michigan area, Al. Uh, you, you enjoy the game today. I mean, you when, when you talk about skill, I, I, I marveled at your skill. I remember the first game you got traded from Toronto to Washington. I'm on the ice with you, and you lead a rush up the ice. And here I am trying to back check, and you took like two two strides, and you blew by me. I think I got a sunburn. You're the first one back. I, I could not believe how big and strong you were and how you could skate and shoot the puck. There seems to be a lot more of you around in the year 2021. I mean, how much are you enjoying the game today? Oh, I, I mean, I mean the game, the, the way they play the, you know, the game today is a little different, you know, and nothing against it. Every, you know, every era has its greatness and its, you know, the skepticism of, I wish now was more like then or back then. You wish more you were like the Oilers who were built more like now. 
But make you know, make no mistake about it. I love watching these. Uh, I love watching these guys out there on the ice, and every team has uber skilled guys, you know. And uh, you know, obviously, I'm a, I was a Toronto Maple Leaf, so I've got to see the growth of you know the Marners, the Matthews, the Rileys, the Nylanders, you know, the super skilled guys, and uh, it's it's just amazing to see because. Being a hockey player like yourself, you know that that just doesn't happen because I'm one of those guys that believes that everyone that is, uh, whether it's their shot, their skating, their fighting, whatever aspect they are where they're a key component of a team, they've worked tirelessly and they've committed their life to it. It doesn't doesn't just happen. And, you know, thankfully for, you know, what happens is that you're – fortunate enough to be born really healthy and then from there you know the rest comes out but you know maybe genetically because I was bigger or stuff like that and worked hard to be fast you know you work your butt off but you are gifted in certain ways but I believe the it's from health you know being healthy yeah. and uh, that gives you the chance to you know grow everything else for sure so watching these skilled guys it's amazing like these like even the Red Wings, these kids that uh, they've been drafting, you know, the defenseman, number 53, Sider, and uh, Lucas Raymond. It's, uh, you know, in, in the forward that took the ride home or took the ride from Grand Rapids with Stevie to play in Toronto a couple weeks ago. Um, it's, it's pretty jaw-dropping. It's like, wow, these guys are good. Yeah, th- one of the things yeah, that's changed in a big way is is uh, is hockey sticks. Sorry to cut you off there. Is is uh, hockey sticks, and I'm dying to know. Like, have you been out there on the ice with one piece hockey sticks with your shots? What what are your thoughts on how things have changed from you know what you would have been using to you know shoot the puck harder than anyone in the world to how, how things have changed now? Um, it's yeah, you know, it's just it's the evolution of sport, right? It's. You know, because I, I, I was always big. I was big into the hockey stick. You know, when I was a little kid, I was the kid drawing the flame up the shaft because I wanted to shoot rockets like Doug Wilson. You know what I mean? It was, uh, um, you know, and then I ended up at the end of my career starting my own hockey stick company called Black Beauty, which was just full-on kids under 12 developmental stick where, you know, if there's 100 kids in a room, you know, three or four pairs of shoes aren't going to fit a hundred kids. Right. So, you know, with hockey sticks, I, I, I got into the full blown custom with the lie and all that stuff. And that could be a conversation that takes forever. So I don't want to take up too much time, but I've been into the sticks and to the point where I worked for warrior and I was part of the, the team that worked on the development of the pro sticks. And I was actually part of the company who designed the stick for Chara that broke my record. So oh, no way. I'm totally into it. And uh, yeah, and the whole thing with the sticks is, you know, everyone always asks me, you know, you did it with wood. How hard would you shoot with uh, um, composite? And it's, it's, a, it's a good question, but I really don't think I would shoot that much harder. So if his record's 108.8, I think I probably would have shot 108.9. Just saying, no, I'm kidding. But uh, you know, just watching it, it's basically what I believe with with the whole stick thing is is 
Back then, you had to have a stick that was – I used two sticks. I used one for a regular play, then I had a nasty one for the power play because it was really hard with wood to get a stick that was uh, diverse enough to handle every part of my game, you know. So now they design these sticks where guys guys can have a stick that is really great for a one-timer, really great for a clapper, but how fast the game is is, you know, 90% of the guys – you want to be able to get the shot off as fast and as quick as you can and get it through to the net because now you've got layers of guys defending. It isn't like when I played where I had to get it by the first guy. You know, I got the first. Now it's the first guy, the second guy, and then guys in the crease blocking shot. It's like there's like three waves of guys you got to get the puck through to the net with. And now the sticks are designed where most guys that wouldn't be able to really get the wood flexing to, uh, you know, trampoline the puck will say where you know the stick is doing all the work their stick had to be designed for their shot so if it was a snapper it was going to be really hard to take a big a big blast because the stick wasn't going to be stiff enough or vice versa so now you can have a stick that's pretty much good for all that and that's why you see most guys now and nick can say or has seen more hockey than any of us most guys now they can come down and they can absolutely rip a snapshot all right, I got I got one more story. Just one more story before we let you go. I'm I'm going to we're going to the rink together. Al and I we lived up in Annapolis. We're going to the rink together. I'm a little bored in his front seat, so I open up the glove compartment and I pull out the thickest stack of tickets I've ever seen, and I just start reading these uh, these tickets, and it's like speeding. Oh, no license. <laughs> no, no, not hockey tickets. <laughs> Speeding, no license, no insurance, no seatbelt, taillight out, um, driving with headphones, expired plates. <laughs> and I'm like, Al, not one cop could give you a break on any of these tickets. And he's like, no, that was one guy who pulled me over. <laughs> <laughs> one guy really didn't like you, huh? <laughs> not, a, not a cap fan. Ah, <laughs> uh, listen. Oh, yeah, I remember that. We really, really appreciate your time, Al. Oh, one story. What's that, pal? Or no. You got, you got one real quick? Am I allowed to tell a story? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes please. Yeah. Oh, so we're at, we just did the Eric Lindros, and God bless him, you know, his tournament raised 300, you know, almost 400,000, you know, the Easter Seals yes. tournament for the kids. And uh, it's been 10 years, and it's raised over... Three million, so we're, which is awesome. You know, God bless you, Eric and uh, Jackson Events for the platform for us to do that. And having said that, I'm I'm uh, probably in my fifth, sixth year pro. I just gotten traded sixth year. I just gotten traded to uh, um, Washington, and Eric Lindros is a young kid. This is a pre. This might have been like 1990, 88, 89ish. Yeah, so I hadn't got traded yet, but I'm driving. They, my mom worked for Pete Carmanos and uh, Jimmy Rutherford, who had been trying to get an NHL team for a long time. So they're like, Eric's coming in because he doesn't want to give up his care, uh, college eligibility. So he's coming in. We had skated with him when he was 14. He'd skate with all us young guys with the Leafs in the summer because we, we all had the same agent. And uh, 
they're like, would you pick him up at the airport? Because he was going to play for the Compuor Ambassadors. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, sure. Mm. I'll pick him up. So we were just shuffling because he was telling the story when I went to pick him up. And uh, I pick him up. I got the dart going. I'm in my Thunderbird Super Coupe. And he's like, Mr. Iafredi, this is a really nice car. I'm like, yeah, it's been cool. I'm like, it's my third one, I'm like, it's my third one this week. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, wow, you... He's like, wow, you must really like these. I'm like, no, I totaled the first one. I'm going to buy this one. This is my third car. It was kind of funny seeing this young kid looking at me with his eyes wide open with the white knuckle ride all the way to the rink. How did you get car dealerships? <laughs> What's that? How did you manage to get car dealerships? No, gave me a car deal. No. <laughs> I should have them. You should have. Hey, listen, thanks for doing this, Al. Hey, my pleasure, Nick, anytime. And look forward to seeing you next time I'm in Toronto. All right. Ally Frady. One of the true characters of our generation, my generation. I mean, a proper beauty. The the original beauty uh, as a definition of the phrase, what a beauty. And just a, he's also one of those guys where I, I think he could have played football. Mm -hmm. Like he could have could have done a lot of things. That's how athletically uh, gifted he was. And the one thing that uh, he also did, he, he spoke of the sticks, mm -hmm. but he would very seldom use his own sticks in practice. He'd get dressed. He'd go to the, he'd go to the stick rack, and he'd grab anybody's stick left, right. He didn't care how tall it was, how <laughs> short it was, the, 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 the curve, and he'd spend the next 40 minutes in practice Figuring with somebody else's stick. And not look out of place. Like scary. That's wild. Scary. I think Mike Rupp had that same kind of skill set where he could just go to a stick rack and grab maybe even an, a right-handed stick. Wouldn't even matter. Wouldn't even matter. That's how good you were, Mike Rupp. <laughs> we're just talking uh, to Ally Frady and, uh, uh, in his era. Man, what a player. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was. I think of... Think of the big boomer, and uh, I, I was—I don't know how old I was at that time, but was that was that the All Star game when he was walking into those with uh, the fantastic hair and all? It was awesome. <laughs> it was. It was. How are you doing? How's your schedule these days? I'm good, guys. Um, yeah, just busy like you guys, and um, you know, just uh, glad to have some sort of normalcy back to things with with our hockey season. So a lot of good storylines and things to follow right now. Pretty big one in Pittsburgh where it seems like it's an imminent uh, situation with uh, the, the sale of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, we had always heard stories the last few years about uh, parts of the Pittsburgh Penguins being up for sale, but it sounds like this one's going to go through. Yeah, I, I respect the boys uh, trying to halt this uh, sale of the team with a losing streak, though. So it's uh, they're really <laughs> trying to keep the same ownership group in there. But uh, no, I, you know what? It's uh, I was talking to some people, and um, you know, we everybody knows the story with the Pittsburgh Penguins would not have been the Pittsburgh Penguins of these years without Mario keeping them there, and he's been a fantastic. Um, owner and, and having him involved uh, and hearing that he's still going to be involved is a huge thing. I, I think that's a, a big deep breath that fans and players can, can take is you want Mario part of it. I mean, Mario's the Penguins. And so I think that's a, a big part of it. But, um, you know, there's been, there's been lots of groups that I've heard over the last number of years that have been in contact and, and talking about purchasing the Penguins and, 
I think Mario was once again looking out for Pittsburgh and, and this organization that he built and, uh, and and keeping it in Pittsburgh, and, and he wanted to get the right fit. And from everything that I've heard about this group and the success stories they've had with Liverpool, with um, obviously you've got the, the Red Sox, I, I think that this was something that is, if, if you're going to pick uh, someone to kind of hand this over to, I, from what I've heard, it doesn't get any better than, than uh, this group right here. So, uh, But with that being said, I don't what, what does that mean? Uh, if you have a new ownership group here, does that mean it's a time to burn it down and, and, and rebuild it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's still a little early to say that without the deal finally uh, being closed. But um, I, I think that the, the good thing is, is that it's a strong group that uh, has turned around that Liverpool uh, football club and, and um, they, they want to win. And that's what they're in it for. Well, you're talking about the, the Fenway group and you're right. Uh, big picture, though. Uh, it's got to be awfully exciting for, for Gary Bettman and, and the league to just be in a still in, in the tail, what we hope is the tail end of a pandemic in, in the last two years, empty buildings. Uh, we know some teams financially are, you know, maybe cash poor, but we're seeing the value hold right through a pandemic. Did you hear the number up on on? on the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm hearing $850 million. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's significant. And, and that's, you know, the thing that people have to remember, I mean, this is a, an organization, a franchise that has won five Stanley Cups, um, has been very fortunate over the years to have guys like Lemieux, Yager, and then Crosby, Malkin, and you can go on and on with, with kind of both eras uh, with more players in, in this uh they built this thing and it's not it's not new york city you know it's not montreal it's not toronto i mean that's some that's significant dollars for pittsburgh i mean you're talking pittsburgh is a, a sports hungry town that uh it's you know it's it's not a huge city comparatively speaking so I, that that's significant and um, they've done a fantastic job with that. And I, I think that that's one thing that, hey, there's people out there who, uh, you know, when Gary walks in the building, they love to boo. And, and I think it's I think it's hilarious. And you see it all the time. It's almost I don't even know if people know why they're doing it anymore. It's just what you do. But uh, the one thing that's been substantial in this league is um, Gary and those owners and, and they've these franchise values have gone up. And they've gone up steadily over the years. And that's a really good place for the National Hockey League that you're able to to have these types of positions to be in. And I think that that's what keeps these uh, interest, uh, the interest of other groups come in here and wanting to get a team. Uh, that, that's what keeps it active. So, Rupper, talking about that Pittsburgh team on the ice a little bit, what's going on there right now? They lost three in a row. Crosby, since he's come back and he's played no goals, dash six, not off to a great start to his season. What, what are you seeing with the Penguins on the ice? Yeah, it's, um, we all know about their man games lost. Uh, there's a lot of teams that have dealt with it from all different sides, whether it's COVID, which they've dealt with as well, or injuries in general. Um, starting with Sid, I mean, Sid, Sid didn't have training camp. So, I mean, if there's ever a player that I've played with in my career that is a creature of habit, and we all are, he's an extreme. So, I, I don't know, maybe that takes a little bit longer. He, he didn't have training camp to get to get feeling completely uh, fluid with the season starting. Then he plays the one game and he's out again. So it might take a little bit of time for Sid to get fully going. You got Evgeny Malkin who probably isn't going to be back until after the, maybe even the new year or after Christmas. Um, 
that's it's tough because this is a, a group that they started off the season, they got some wins, they surprised a lot of people, but it's so hard. You guys know how it is. It's so hard to continue that. You know what I mean? It's it's like you could do it for stretches, but then like all of a sudden now, um, even the game last night against Buffalo, like you're dominating that game in a lot of ways, and you're just not getting points. They're just in this rut right now, and they just got to stay – they got to stay in the mix, and they are right now, but they got to start banking some points because I think the bigger picture that uh, I don't envy the position of Ron Hextall and, and, and Brian Burke. I mean, they're in here, and, and they've got to evaluate this team and what this team is moving forward. They've got Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang on expiring contracts. You're not going to be able to really see what this team is until you get the team oh. together on the ice, and, and, and just a few days ago was really the, the closest they've gotten to that. Um, and they're 15 games in or whatever. So I don't know how you handle it. I don't know what the future holds for the Penguins. But right now, if they could just stay in the mix until they get healthy, till Sid gets going, a lot of guys are snake bitten on that team. Um, I, I still think that they could be a playoff team. The one thing, though, with Ron Hextall in, in, Flor- uh, in Philadelphia, and uh, it, it drove people like Bobby Clark absolutely nuts, was that he, he was too slow for them. And I'm just wondering now, they've been there a while now. And I know at times they haven't had a healthy uh, roster. But, you know, for example, you know, the goaltending situation, uh, Jari had certainly a a nice finish to the season uh, record-wise that probably bought him some time to start the season. But a lot of people have told those guys that this isn't a goalie tandem that's going to get them, you know, close to competing here. How, how long is that leash, and when are people going to start asking Ron Hextall, when are we going to see you make some significant moves? Yeah, you know, and that was one of the things that I, I liked about about Hexy when he was in Philly from an outsider, like watching what was happening there. And and, and as, a, as a fan of the game, I loved what the Flyers used to be, right? Like this team would be a bubble team to make the playoffs, and they're trading away assets to get big-name players at the trade deadline. And this summer comes, and they're signing the biggest fish out there. And it's fun, and it's exciting, but it probably wasn't always thought out for the long haul. And, and, and Ron Hextall was that first one to kind of, all right, we're going to start drafting players, developing. We're not letting go of these assets. We're going to take our time. And, and I think that you're still seeing the benefits there because of him and, and what he did. So you take that over to Pittsburgh here. And, um, yeah, I don't, I, time isn't really on their side. With those two guys expiring contracts and, and have some control here and, and no trades, uh, you can't let them walk for free, can you? And at the same time, are you going to resign those guys if – if you kind of figured that the that the window is closed or that time has passed with this with this kind of core group, um, as far as Tristan Jari goes, he's he's been he's been more good than bad in his young career, and he was awesome um, last season. And we know he was an All Star, but the playoffs were a different animal and have been a different animal. And so the the big talk was we you know people wanted a, a new representation in, in net. And the thing is, this is a team that's they're up against the cap. I mean, you're not going to get if you're going to if you're going to get a veteran guy at a million dollars, he's not going to be better than than Tristan Jari. It is high. So I think all that did, and I feel bad for this. Uh, I think that just made his struggles in the playoffs. Jari's made Casey DeSmith's job more difficult to hold. 
because now you're sitting there like, hey, we're going to keep this asset here in Tristan Jari, but we're going to have to get an insurance policy at some point. And I think they'll probably do something this year and get a, a veteran goaltender to be there just in case. And by default, this is kind of like falls on Casey DeSmith because of the inequities of, of Tristan Jari in the playoffs. So a lot of decisions to be made, but they've got a lot of other question marks too. So it's uh, up to this point in the season, the goal tenny has been an absolute strength for them, <clears throat> excuse me, with Tristan Jari. So at least you can take that out of the equation. Right now, that's not their problem. Yeah, well, and you mentioned the cap issues. There's no question that I think there would have been an appetite to bring Marc-Andre Fleury back, but not at $7 million, uh, a year. Hey, Rupper, thanks for doing this, man. Anytime, guys. Take care and enjoy Appreciate it. it. Mike Rupp, NHL Network, AT&T, Sportsnet, Pittsburgh. So $850 million for a hockey club that uh, hasn't had any fans in the last year. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's amazing. Well, what got me, you know, just in my little bit of reading up on this, you know, it sounds like the Penguins have kind of had to make playoffs to make their money financially, right? Like they rely on a lot of postseason gates. And that's not necessarily guaranteed if you think you're at the end of the Malkin, Latang, Crosby era. So you can see why the ownership might say maybe now is a time, like if there's going to have to be some sort of rebuild here, maybe now is a time to get out ahead of that. Like, does it seem to you, am I crazy here? But it's tough for me to imagine a world where they re-sign Malkin to a big ticket and Latang to a big yeah. ticket. And like Malkin, you could see it. He's yeah on an expiring contract and it just may be his choice to move on. The big one for me, and especially with this new group coming in, Fenway, is where are you with Sidney Crosby? Uh, are you adamant that he is a penguin and he's not going anywhere and he will retire? And Are you even allowed to talk about this? Doesn't the league cut our mics or something if you talk about Crosby not being a penguin? No, no, no. Are you allowed to talk We're about exempt. this? We're exempt. Oh, nice. We're exempt. All right. Uh, Crosby. I just I just can't even think about it. honestly. I can't. I'm joking, but like, what, is he going to go play for f- who? If he wants. If he chooses to. My my point is, is what do you think Crosby has left to play? And I think his contract, if I'm not mistaken, Sammy, is what, four years left on his deal? It expires, yeah, after the 24-25 season. Okay. At 8.7 per. Which a cute little what a number. Deal. But yeah. how do you I think he's got all four years left in him. Definitely. Yes. Okay. So if if they're gonna suck, are <laughs> you gonna suck here? Are you okay with helping me with young kids and playing that role model and taking them out for dinner and is that what you want? No. Doubt it. No, none of us want to watch that either. I mean, last year, Sidney Crosby. 62 points in 55 games. He's over a point per game. You know, he's he was 100 points in 2019. He was nominated for the Hart Trophy. This I, guy is not just good. He's still a star. He's a rock star. A rock star. And he's physical, grindy, competitive. Like, I don't... You're right. So what does he want? Forget what Pitt wants. Forget about what Fenway, the new owners, want. What does Sid want? Can you, it's almost like one of those things where like, I feel like he's been married for 30 years and maybe he wants someone younger, but you're just tied into that relationship. I don't know. Can he, would he walk away from that and tarnish what they had? I just can't see him doing that to his legacy in Pittsburgh. But I can't see him uh, like mailing in four years no, I of can't either. sucking. I can't either. He's but just retired. What, what Penguins fan <laughs> would ever fault him? You know, 
if, if they're truly going to be tr- bad. If they're going to be bad. I don't know. What, the, the, the days of beginning to end on one team in a salary cap era, I think, are over, they're boys. They're drying up. They're drying up. They're drying up. Yeah. And it just... <clears throat> Put them in any jersey in your head right now. Try it. The Blues. Avalanche. Capitals. Avalanche is the one you like. Nate. That's right. Yeah. And then you can film Tim Horton commercials actually during the game. It's actually great great to, for their, their business. That was fun today. I was. Old, old Big Al had some tales. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I didn't make up those stories. No, I didn't actually think he did. I just couldn't believe he would confirm them. And did he cuss? Oh, yeah. Hard F. That's actually the hardest cuss we've had on yeah. radio. And I got to say, really enjoyed he it. He just sent me a note. I think I swore. (laughs) I think. Yes, Confirmed. Skate for me, Al. Skate for me. (laughs) That's how you know he's comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Not to that degree, but he's ally afraid. He can do anything he wants. Right. Did we catch it? Did we bleep it out? Are we on delay? Oh, that one went over. We made it. Is there CRTC out there anymore? I don't know. Probably. Nah, nobody works. That's about my pay grade. (laughs) All right. No mentioning it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now, hey, rating and review. Hit us hard. I want to hear what you have to say about Sammy. We're back again tomorrow on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.